0: We're starting a new series this morning uh, that as we work through the book of First Peter. It's a message of hope. And this morning we're going to look at hope beyond failure, the person behind the letter. Uh, we can learn a lot by looking at who God uses and what he's up to. And I, I think this particular person, a guy named Peter, gives all of us hope because we all know a little bit about what it means to fail. And for our reading this morning, I just want to uh, look at his call. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit in the Gospels and uh, just touch base in the book itself of 1 Peter. But for our reading, turn to Mark chapter 1, and it will be verses 16 through 18. And ask when you find that, you will stand in our God's honor. Mark 1, 16 through 18. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Let's pray. Father Peter started his walk with you the way all of us start. By hearing your call and following. And I pray this morning as we take time to look at him that you might speak to us. Because we are here and we need you and we need to hear from you. We don't need to play church. We need to be the church. And to know that we are the church, we need to be reminded why we're here. And Father, I thank you for Peter. I thank you, Father, for his testimony. And this morning, as we look at that, may we look at our own testimony, Lord. Just guide us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We all have tasted failure. Some people like to talk about it all the time. uh, Too much. It's like a broken record. The message just keeps getting played and replayed. It's like the husband that said, I hate it when my wife and I fight. She doesn't get hysterical. She gets historical. Just remembering over and over. So there's that side of failure. Maybe You know failure through a failed marriage. And it still hurts you, pains you. Maybe you know failure as a parent. Things just didn't work out the way you had planned, the way you'd hoped for. Maybe you know failure due to other kinds of relationships that went sour. And it broke your heart. And you beat yourself up because of that sense of failure. You see, that's the other extreme. We don't want to talk about our failures. We want to hide our failures. And we want other people to see us a specific way that we've got it together. And yet the message of the gospel is He sees us as a people who don't have it together. And He comes and He enters our lives. And He gives us hope. Hope beyond failure. So in a sense, this message could be the fact that Failures have a future. If you have failed, God has not abandoned you. He wants you to know that there is a future available with Him, the living God. Now, as we look at Peter's call in chapter 1 here, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He's walking along the shore and he sees Peter or Simon and his brother Andrew and they're fishing. It simply says because they were fishermen. That's, that was their vocation. That was their lives to fish. And they were doing their normal day activities. But it was not a normal day. Because there was Jesus. And Jesus specifically spoke to them. You know, poor Andrew, there's not a lot spoken about Andrew in the Bible. But when he's named, he's Simon's brother. What it be like to always be referred to as, you know, I'm his brother. Or I'm her sister. Because it's that other person you're always trying to compete with. That other person that, you know, seems to be on top and instead of you. But in this case, it says that Jesus speaks to them and he gives them this invitation. Come, follow me. And he says, if you will come follow me, guys, you won't just be trying to get fish out of water. I will use you to impact lives. You will become fishers of men. And I love this. It says that once they left their nets, And they followed him. Josephus, the historian, writes this about Galileans. Gives us a little insight into what the Galileans were like. Just like us Bristolians, what we're like. But gives a picture of the Galileans. They were ever fond of innovations and by nature disposed to changes. And they delighted in seditions. They were ever ready to follow a leader who would begin an insurrection. They were quick in temper and given to quarreling. And they were never destitute of courage. So they were adventurers. They were always looking for an adventure. And what an adventure as Christ comes to them, looks them in the eye and says, follow me and it will be the adventure of your lives. And and I love the fact it says they simply dropped their nets and followed him. They could not know for sure. What was going to lay ahead? Can you imagine if somebody came into your workplace and looked at you and said, I bet your days are boring. Follow me. Leave this place. This is what it was like for these guys. It was a total change for them. So what do we learn about Peter? Well, his name's always first in the list of the names of disciples. Matter of fact, in Matthew 10, it even uses the word first. And then Peter, which refers to the fact that he was a leader among the group. It, he, he just naturally was a person that the others were drawn to. He was the spokesman of the group. I want to look at a couple of examples of this. In Matthew 15, 15, so turn over the previous gospel and Peter said, explain the parable to us. He asked the question that everybody was thinking, but nobody was speaking. Nobody was talking. Peter was. Matter of fact, this tends to be a pattern of Peter. (laughs) He does speak out. He does ask the questions. Uh, Turn to 1821, a couple of chapters over in the book of Matthew says that Peter came to Jesus. He wanted to know. He didn't want to just think, what does this mean? I'm, I'm afraid to go talk to him. No, he went directly to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? You know, and it looks like he's keeping count. He said, this is enough. So up to seven times, Lord? And, of course, Jesus answered, not seven times, but seventy-seven but he, he came and he, and he spoke out to Christ and to his in that teaching and then in 1927 this is the text of the rich young man that had come before Jesus and he said I've, I've kept these commands and of course Jesus gives him this command to leave his riches and to follow him and look at Peter's answer he, He speaks to Christ. This is verse 27 of Matthew 19. Peter answered him, We've left everything to follow you. What then shall there be for us, Lord? What shall there be for us? Then one more. In 1724, it's a discussion about taxes being paid. It says, After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. They came to Peter because they saw that Peter was a leader. So here's a guy who had leadership potential. People were drawn to him. So he had those kind of gifts. Matter of fact, in Matthew 16, of course, one of the famous passages about Peter It says, uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, that's Matthew 16, 13, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? All the disciples speak up. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? And it was Peter who answered. Boldly he answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He he was impulsive and he was quick in what he had to say. And, and Jesus looked at him and he said, You are right, God has revealed this to you. But it didn't last long. And we read down a few verses and we see after his greatest declaration, he makes his biggest blunder When Jesus talks about the fact that he is going to be rejected and he's going to be beaten and he's going to die. In verse 22, it says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine pulling Jesus aside to rebuke him? But Peter pulls him aside. And he says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned. And said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. P- Peter was very impulsive in his loyalty. He meant well, but he got, as we used to say, growing up, too big for his breeches, making declarations that he couldn't keep. So we find in Mark 14, 27, as Peter says, everybody's going to run away. They're going to scatter cause of me. But Old Peter, he's got to make his declaration of his strength and what he's able to accomplish. Jesus says, Mark 14, 27, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Okay, Peter, I'm sure there was some regret over this one. Verse 29, Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. And then Jesus laid the zinger on him. I tell you the truth. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you'll disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And everybody joined in the party. We will be right with you, Lord. And then, what a truth that follows in the scriptures as is, is you go down in the chapter and, and, and you see how it all falls apart. Down in verse 66 of Mark 14 we read about his failure. While Peter was below in the courtyard one of the servant girls, the high priest, came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene. Jesus said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. He said, and he went out into the entryway. He was afraid. And he did the very thing he said he'd never do. Then jump down to verse a little bit uh, further down in the scripture. And we see that he denied again. It says, after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you're one of them you're a Galilean. You've got that Galilean accent. We can't miss you. It says he began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them. I, I don't know this man you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then it happened. Verse 72. The rooster crowed the second time. Peter remembered the word. Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice. You'll disown me three times. And the chapter ends, Peter broke down, and he wept. The man of God, the guy who had it together, the guy who declared he would stand by Jesus no matter what, wept bitterly. We're all broken people. One way or another, we face failure. We either hide it or we get historical about it maybe or in between. But the message is there's a future for the fallen. There's a future regardless of the failure that takes place. We come to Mark 16 after the bitter beatings of Jesus, after his rejection, after hanging on a cross. After breathing his last. And just before that saying. It's finished. He's placed in a tomb. Ladies come to check out the tomb. They find the stone's been removed. There's no body. And they weep. Because the natural assumption is. They've taken the body of Jesus. But what they didn't know was that it was not the greatest betrayal of all. It was the greatest hope of all. Because Jesus was alive. And I love this in in Mark 16. Verse 4, it says, They looked up, they saw that stone, which was very large, it had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. That was where they put the body, but the body's not there. And I love this next phrase. Spoken to the failure. To the guy, the last time we saw him, he was crying. He couldn't stop crying because he knew he was a failure. He knew he had royally messed it all up. But notice the declaration that's given by the angel. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It was not by accident that he said, tell the disciples and Peter. Because God knew exactly where Peter was. God knew exactly that Peter was broken. That he saw himself as the ultimate failure. That he had royally messed it up. And he had a picture that there was no hope. But hope would be reclaimed even And if that's not enough, we'll turn over to another gospel and see where the hope is displayed. In John chapter 21, what a great passage of Scripture. Uh, The disciples, are they're broken. What do you do once you're broken? Well, you go back to what you did. They go back to fishing. And as they go back to fishing, no fortune fishing, then they get a message from a guy that says, "Hey, drop your nets here." And they catch this load of fish that so much the nets begin to break. And it's it's just it's just a great picture. And then in verse 7, this is a John 21, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, <laughs> to Peter, It is the Lord. And you know what I love? He heard those words. It is the Lord. It's the Lord, Peter. The Lord's alive and broken Peter. Bitter Peter. Peter the failure becomes old Peter. What's he do? Man, I love it. He becomes old Peter. Oh, man. He... It says that he climbed he climbed out and he jumped into the water. <laughs> and he swam toward the Lord. And the other disciples followed in the boat. But Peter in his impulsiveness, in his desire just to love Jesus, just to see Jesus, just to be with Jesus, he starts swimming toward the shore. It says, Uh, They weren't far, about 100 yards. Then they landed and they had this great meal with Jesus. Oh, wow. And then Jesus specifically talks to Peter. Look down at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. So Jesus said, feed my lambs, Peter. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Third time he said to them, Simon of John, do you love me? It says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him three times. You love me. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. In other words, Jesus was saying to Peter, you have another chance. Come back. You have a new shot at this. That's the gospel gospel. That's hope. Just because you failed doesn't mean you don't have a future. There is hope with God. A matter of fact, as you go through the book of Acts, Peter, he does exactly that. He jumps back in to serve God. In chapter 1 of Acts, they're looking to replace Judas Iscariot. Peter was a leader in that. Chapter 2, he preaches a sermon that God uses to bring 3,000 people into the body of Christ. Chapter 3, there's a man who's crippled that needs to be healed. God works through Peter. Chapter 4, there's a stand against the Sanhedrin. There's Peter. God's working in his life for his glory. Chapter 5, he's got the fun task of facing Ananias and Sapphira. Yuck, but that was his job as a leader Chapter 8, he faces Simon the magician. Chapter 10, he has a vision about Cornelius and um, the good news, the gospel. Who would have thought that Peter would still be used? Could fail so horribly, so badly and still be God's man still be loved of God, still be reinstated. You see, God doesn't hold a bitterness against us when we come to him humbly. When we pour our heart out openly and say, God, I need your forgiveness, he forgives. And that is what happened in the case of Peter. I'm sure if someone had asked him, God's going to use you to write a couple letters that's going to be put in the sacred scriptures, Peter would have said, no, I don't think so. That's what happened. Now, just a couple of things as I come to the end of this. Uh, some truths we learn about him is God used this to give him a heart for the broken. A ministry for people who have failed those failures. Just look at First Peter real briefly. It says, uh, it starts out, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To God's elect, strangers in the world scattered. There were people who had been scattered. People who had been broken. A people who were facing persecution. Peter, having failed, knows what it was like. Able to minister to them. Secondly, the purpose Peter had was to point them to the one who forgives and gives that hope, Jesus I think of a song I've heard Dorothy sing a couple of times. I didn't realize Point of Grace made it popular until I tried to find the lyrics to it. It says, Heal the wound, but leave the scar. A reminder of how merciful you are. Man, I love those words. And that's what Peter discovered. He shares about that hope. Here in verse 3, he tells us that you've been given a new birth, into a living hope. And and what's it through? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's what he gives. And it's an inheritance coming through Christ. That, that's not going to perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. And, and that we are shielded through faith. Shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. Until he comes and and we meet him in the air. Or we meet him when we take off these bodies and put on eternity he says in this you greatly rejoice you suffer for a little while you had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials that they've come to make your faith of greater worth than gold it perishes when it's refined by fire but prove genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when jesus is revealed he says though you've not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the goal of your faith. You're receiving the salvation of your souls. Then he comes in chapter 4, verse 12. and He says, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you're facing now. Is this something strange were happening to you? He says, don't pray for a lighter load, but a stronger back understand God's working in you verse chapter 5 verse 80 he, he says be alert sober mind he says your enemy the devil yeah he mentions the devil he says he's like a roaring lion he's looking around trying to devour you and yet God wants to perfect and establish you he wants to find those who are grounded in Jesus Christ and and he he wants to break that foundation and scatter those people that's his job and that's what he wants to do and Peter says, I felt like that's where I was. I had been scattered. I had been broken. But Jesus is my foundation. Came back and he rescued me. He gave me that new chance. That new heart. Which brings us to what I've said over and over. Failure in the past does not nullify purpose in the future. God takes a bunch of has-beens and gives us new starts. Stories told of uh, two brothers years ago. Convicted of sheep Stealing. So they had branded on their foreheads "ST" for sheep thief. One of the brothers couldn't stand the ridicule and he skipped town and moved to another place. The other brother decided he wanted to live a life of love and earn back the the trust of his community. And so he spent his life and kids were drawn to him. He'd come outside and the kids would come and want to just hang out with him because he... He just loved them. Well, as the many years passed, um, it was sad that uh, somebody came up and they said, What is the ST on this guy's forehead? What does that stand for? And the guy said, "And it's been so many years. I don't remember. I think it must stand for saint. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do such work in us that we're not remembered for our failures, but we're remembered for Him and what He is doing in our lives and what He's done through us. Um, I talked to a person this past week who told me that uh, they've been out of church a long time and they recently went to church. You know, it felt a little uncomfortable. As they looked around the church, they saw this person that years ago um, their children got in an argument and they had a big fight. And they didn't want to talk to each other. But what struck me is this person said, uh, I looked over there at that person and they stood up and they did it. And she said she went over there and embraced that person. She thought, that's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus gives us a new chance. That's the gospel. Don't leave here and miss that. Don't leave here and miss the forgiveness he wants to give. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Peter. He was a leader, but... He certainly wasn't perfect. Matter of fact, he was broken. But you reached out to him. And you do that for all of your people. Father, we come to you and you know all about our failures. And you want us to bring them to you. You want us to lay them at your feet. And you want us to claim Jesus. And to take that new start. And to be messengers of your hope and your love. And I pray this morning that that would happen among us, Father. We may need to come down the aisle to the altar and to make a public decision. Or maybe we might need to go across the aisle with open arms and start new forgiven with one another. But Father, we just want you to take charge of our lives and our, our church family and Father, we want Jesus to be exalted and to be lifted up, and uh, your message is a message of hope, and Peter showed us that, and Father, may we become examples of that too, and if you want to do that today, we would be so pleased. So move among us, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen.